Hey everyone, Evan Damerel here on my own for the first time in forever while my co-host Chris Manning handles some offshore business, whatever that means. On today's show, I'll be previewing the Cleveland Cavaliers' upcoming weekend schedule and how they could turn around their losing skid with relative ease. But before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Thank you again for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. As always, I am Evan Damarell, flying solo on this one. And today we will be breaking down the Cleveland Cavaliers' upcoming weekend schedule, starting first with the upcoming matchup against the Charlotte Hornets. For Cleveland, this will be an interesting matchup for sure. They've lost five in a row. Uh, Jared Allen is questionable on this one. Dean Wade is doubtful. Ricky Rubio is obviously out. And... Dylan Windler's obviously out as well after he got a PRP injection in his right ankle, and he'll probably be out for the next four to six weeks. So it's definitely something worth watching in terms of who is and isn't available, but I think Allen is going to be the most interesting one, and he was listed as questionable with a non-COVID-related illness, and folks, I was around him tonight covering an event he did for a story I wrote for Write Down Euclid on this morning, Friday morning, and he seemed like he was in good health. Um, He was pretty... (laughs) open to shaking my hand and talking to me and being up close and personal with myself and other people. So I think he's feeling better. He wasn't walking the limp or anything. So I think the ankle is okay. I just think it's going to be, how is his body feeling in terms of just what it's like then the next day. So they'll go through shoot around the Cavs will tomorrow morning and they will kind of go through the motions from there and just see how his body's feeling after that. And then see how he feels after a little bit of time off the floor and then let him warm up, see how he's doing again. If he's available to go, he will be available to go. And that will be a huge difference maker for the Cavs because it was evident against the Timberwolves the other night that the lack of Jared Allen was pretty overwhelming, especially for Evan Mobley. Because you're throwing Carl Anthony Towns, you're throwing Rudy Gobert at Evan Mobley, and to an extent Lamar Stevens as well, and Kevin Love, who both drew the start next to Mobley. And you could just really tell that a defensive-minded big like Gobert and a stretchier seven-footer like Carl Anthony Towns really disrupted the flow of the Cavs offensively, but especially defensively. And I think over-tasking and over-asking Evan Mobley too much on defense is just not the formula for success on this one. So... I think getting Jared Allen back would be pivotal for the Cavs, and I don't think you could have asked for a better opponent when it comes to the Charlotte Hornets. Because, let's be frank, the Hornets just are not very good at the end of the day. They are probably going to be one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference this year, next to the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers, teams that are actively trying to lose. Granted, some of it is not to Charlotte's own detriment. LaMelo Ball has largely missed most of the season with an ankle injury, and he went down uh, Wednesday night for Charlotte with an ankle injury again, the same right ankle, I believe, he sprained. And he is going to be out Friday night against Cleveland, just looking at the macro macro sense of things. The macro sense, if you're the Hornets and you're able to get Victor Wimbignana and you have him, LaMelo Ball, and you're able to offload Terry Rozier, you're able to offload Gordon Hayward, you're able to offload pretty much any of these veteran players that you have on your roster that just don't work, that'd be pretty great. It'll just be interesting to see for Charlotte if they're able to 
actually tank because Michael Jordan has been said on the record and Michael Jordan owns the Hornets that he never wants to be a team that is actively tanking to get talent or to add a player to their roster. So, you know, my thoughts and prayers with Doug Branson of Locked on Hornets. I do not envy the situation you have to cover right now, but looking at this game itself, again, the Hornets aren't very good. They do not have LaMelo Ball. They don't have Miles Bridges because Miles Bridges is a piece of garbage. Um, and you're looking at it, it's going to be Gordon Hayward, it's going to be Terry Rozier. Like, those are their two main offensive threats. They do have one of the Plumlee brothers. They do have some interesting bigs in Nick Richards. And they have interesting pieces, but I just don't think Steve Clifford's a very good coach. I just think this is the Hornets team that, unfortunately, is missing their best player in LaMelo Ball. And if you're the Cavs, who have lost five games in a row, this is the perfect opportunity to get your groove back. This is the perfect opportunity to get your swagger back. This is the perfect opportunity to find a way to play Cavaliers basketball once again. And for those who may be tuning in for the first time, Cavaliers basketball is winning the scrap, as J.B. Bickerstaff would put it, which is you assert your dominance on the defensive side of the ball, and in turn, that leads to easy offense and easy flow. But with Donovan Mitchell now here, the offense gets, kind of gets amplified by a million because he's just so three-point happy, and it's really turned the Cavs into one of the more balanced teams in the league. It's just they have to find that core identity again by playing defense and maybe beating up on a more unfortunate team like the Charlotte Hornets is a good way to kind of clean the palate, shake off the stink of a five-game losing streak that started in Los Angeles and continued last night in Milwaukee and you just look forward to what is next on this weekend docket, and we'll talk about that more in the next upcoming segment. But this Hornets game could be an interesting test for Cleveland either way. I think it could be a trap game at the end of the day. Hopefully you don't see Darius Garland play a little passively. I think you need to see him be a little bit more engaged, a little bit more sharper. Does he want to play more of the facilitator off of Donovan Mitchell as a scorer, where I call it like Thunder and Lightning, where Garland's passing is the Lightning, and... Mitchell's scoring is the Thunder. How do they get Evan Mobley involved? And also the Jared Allen question. If you have Jared Allen there, I think this is pretty much a locked up and easy win. And I don't have the betting line in front of me quite yet. I'm going to pull up the ads right or the odds right while I'm talking right now as we speak. Currently live on the air on Locked on Cavs. The Cavs, there is no line currently set right now, but I would not be surprised if the Cavs are overwhelming favorites in this game despite the five game losing streak. And despite the fact that Jared Allen is questionable and Dean Wade is doubtful, but we'll talk more about Dean Wade in the third segment because I got a, a couple quick questions from some listeners on this one. But we'll see how this game goes. I think the Cavs are going to win it. Let me know what you think in the comments below. I think this is a good table setter for the rest of this weekend where they have to play two pretty tough games against the Hawks and the Heat. But we'll talk about that more in segment two because I want to give you a quick word from today's first sponsor, Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to cook from Gordon Ramsay, improve your songwriting skills from John Legend, or learn the power of personal branding from the queen herself, Chris Jenner. With over 180 classes from a range of world-class instructors, the thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. Masterclass is accessible on your phone, web, or smart TV, offering classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class instructors at the top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. Members can explore at their own pace, and each class is supported by downloadable materials, class guides, recipes, or more. You can find all available classes at masterclass.com. They have hundreds of video lessons from 180 plus of today's most brilliant minds and are available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Fire, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. An annual membership usually starts about $180 per year, and I highly recommend you check them out. 
This holiday, give one annual membership and get one for free. Just go to masterclass.com slash locked on today. That's masterclass.com slash locked on. Terms apply. And we are back with more Locked On Cavs. Folks, I just want to thank you again for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. For your second listen today, go check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, folks... When we're looking ahead to the rest of the weekend, the Cavs are off Saturday. I think they will practice, and then they'll try to pivot from there. You see a little bit of time, maybe a little bit more on-floor reps between them. I'm going to pull up the injury reports, but up ahead for Cleveland this weekend, they do have the Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat on the docket. Looking at things right now, we'll focus on the Hawks first, and we'll talk about the Heat second. Atlanta is an interesting matchup for Cleveland because they are a team that made a power move, much like the Cavaliers did this summer. Now, they didn't go get Donovan Mitchell or they didn't go get Rudy Gobert as friend of the pod Tywin just noted. They got DeJounte Murray, who is a very, very good fit for this Hawks team that has a couple of odd questions about them at the end of the day. Like the Hawks have the propensity or the ability to maybe be in that category where the Cavs are, where they're young and aspiring to reach that next level and join the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. But they have had some disappointing losses, including a 25-point blowout on Wednesday night at home. And it's troubling to see maybe at times just like, what is going on with the Hawks if you're just a general NBA fan? But also it's reassuring if you're a Cavs fan at the end of the day that there is a team out there who is struggling. And it's also against the Boston Celtics as well, a team that the Cavs kind of handled business against twice in overtime in their latest loss. But it is definitely worth watching. It's going to be a fun matchup. Like you have Darius Garland versus Trey Young. You have Donovan Mitchell versus DeJounte Murray. You have DeAndre Hunter versus Karis LeVert, whoever is starting at the three for Cleveland. You have Evan Mobley versus John Collins. You possibly have Jared Allen versus Clint Capella. Like the Hawks are a very compelling team that kind of match up really well with the Cavs just in terms of position at the end of the day. And it's definitely worth watching what's going to happen and i think what it's really going to boil down to is who wins the bench battle for atlanta right now it's a mixture of aaron holiday justin holiday onyeka Unkongwu, maybe some frank kaminsky some jalen johnson aj griffin and that's pretty much the back end of the rotation of bogdan bogdanovich out for such a long time now with the wrist injury but it's going to be interesting because the Cavs have had a bit of a, some a hard time when it comes to bench production as of late. Like Kevin Love has been struggling to find a shot. Isaac Okoro is still pretty much a net negative on offense. Jetty Osmond is pretty inconsistent and has come back down to earth. Oluneto doesn't get a lot of minutes, especially in crunch time situations. And then you're looking at the other end of the rotation. It's just like guys like Lamar Stevens, who is likely going to start possibly if um, maybe bigger staff maybe has his way again. We'll talk about that in segment three. And then you're looking at guys like Isaiah Mobley and Mamadi Deikite. They're not really, they're players, but they're not going to be the kind of guys the Cavs need. So Okongwu, oh, there's Robin Lopez as well. Excuse me for the Robin Lopez fans and Robin Lopez's house and dynasty. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The Hawks are home against the Raptors on Saturday, and they do have the added luxury of a day of rest when the Cavs have to host the Heat on Sunday and then play the Hawks the following night. So it's going to be a tactical matchup between J.B. Bickerstaff and Nate McMillan at the end of the day. And these are both teams that rely heavily on their starting units. 
And you have to wonder how they're going to defend Cleveland because they have guys like DeJounte Murray. They have guys like Trey Young who are going to be the offensive engine, similarly to how Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell function. But the Hawks do have a lot of size, and they also do have some interesting tweaks they could do. But the same can go for Cleveland as well. Like you have Evan Mobley, you have Jared Allen, who is also comfortable defending in space. Maybe you play Lamar Stevens at the starting three um, on against Friday against Charlotte, then you continue against Atlanta and possibly Miami is before that as well. So there's a lot of interesting stylistic choices. Also, this is the second game of a back-to-back, so maybe Jared Allen doesn't play as well just because you're having him come back from any injury. You're having him deal with some of the ickiness of a sickness that he possibly had as well. So it's it's going to be an interesting planning period for the Cavs. Historically speaking, J.B. Bickerstaff doesn't really rest his guys on back-to-backs, but Given the circumstances of this season and how maybe injuries bit them in the butt last year, maybe he's more cognizant of that now. But to shift focus to Sunday's game against the Miami Heat, it's going to be a completely different ball game. Like the Heat are a very old team. <laughs> they have some interesting matchups with the against the Cavs um in general. Like you have Jimmy Butler, you have Bam Adebayo, who I believe is injured right now. You have Kyle Lowry, who played his butt off in a loss to the Raptors the other night. You have some interesting, just like high-quality depth pieces on the roster, like Maxi Struess or Duncan Robinson or Gabe Vincent or guys just of that ilk. Yeah, like Bam Adebayo's day-to-day, Caleb Martin's day-to-day, Tyler Harrow's out. Like, the Heat are banged up. They are kind of looking old in the teeth right now, but you wouldn't have to count them out necessarily. I just think the Cavs have the offensive firepower to kind of take care of business against Miami, and maybe they're able to build up a big enough lead that they can rest their guys. Maybe this is a game you could afford to rest Jared Allen in this one just because, like, Nikola Jovic is playing, and, like, yeah, he, he's playing really well as a young rookie for the, for the Heat, but you have guys like Orlando Robinson getting minutes. You have guys like... Um, Omar, you're seven, who is out, but like the, the the Heat are thin at the big spot, and they have Jimmy Butler playing the four, so like that's a tough matchup for Evan Mobley. But maybe this is an opportunity, like, hey, if we do rest Jared Allen, it's against Miami, and then we play him against Atlanta, who's a younger, faster, stronger team, and is a little bit more stylistically able to match up with you well. But if you were the Cavs, you probably would put Jimmy Butler up against. Either one of Lamar Stevens or Evan Mobley to start this game. You probably put Kyle Lowry against Donovan Mitchell just because Mitchell's overwhelming wingspan would overwhelm Lowry a bit, but you play a lot of help defense on him. And you find a way just to funnel the heat on the interior and not really let them kill you from three-point range. But thankfully, without Tyler Harrow and Duncan Robinson, who's a little bit inconsistent at times, it's it's going to be tricky to see how this plays out. But between the two games, between Sunday and Monday... I feel very confident in saying that the Cavs will win Sunday's game against Miami, be on a two-game winning streak heading into game three against Atlanta on Monday, and they possibly ride out the wave and go 3-0 on the weekend, which would be huge for the Cavs after losing five games in a row and a huge confidence boost in general for this locker room that kind of seems like they're a little fatigued, a little frustrated after these last couple losses just because they're not playing their style of basketball and maybe having... They're not cupcakes. It's the NBA. Everyone's a pro here, but... It's an easier matchup for Cleveland at the end of the day where they can kind of bounce back after just having such a sour slide as of late and just kind of refine their footing to get back into it. But in order to do that, they may need to shift things up at the small forward spot. And we will be talking about that in segment three. 
of Friday's show. But first, I want to give you another quick word from today's sponsor, and that is our friends at where the heck is it? Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, and news and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, they've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Welcome back, everyone, to segment three of Locked on Cavs. I am Evan Damerell. I am without my co-pilot, Chris Manning, and I still envy the fact that he, or do not envy the fact, rather, that he had to do all these episodes by himself because, boy, oh, boy, my, oh, my, it's just really tough. And I'm just going to go right into it. We got a question from the mailbag um, from Frobley or Death on Discord and also from Nation One Cavs, where Nation One Cavs asks, do you think the Cavs should trade Levert? Personally, I think moving him to the bench and starting Wade is the better option. And this goes hand in hand with Frobley or Death, which I'll touch on more in a second, is do you think the guys will, well, actually, we'll just, we'll, 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 we'll ask that question in a second. So to answer the first question, yeah, I think the Cavs need to bench Karis Levert. He has not been great as of late. I think... He has kind of just looked a little lost being the arguably fifth banana at times. Well, fourth with Jared Allen out, but fifth when this team is fully healthy. And I think that's fine. I think he's played really well. I never thought he was quite the defensive stopper like some people hyped him up to be. I think that's just ill-advised on anyone's part. Really, think Karis LeVert physically can be a defensive stopper like he was for that one season in Brooklyn. I think you're kind of not looking at this in the grand scheme of things and more so feeling like a mouthpiece for some folks. But... At the end of the day, Karis LeVert, at his apex, is a ball-dominant scorer who's more comfortable slashing, sometimes providing you shooting, and also giving you some playmaking, some rebounding, and maybe some defense every now and then. But like, it's mostly effort, and I think you want him more so using his energy and anything he can expand on the court on the offensive side of the ball. So you're looking more so at LeVert being that super six-man if you're the Cavs, and the issue is... Looking at their roster right now and just who is available, the guys that you could replace them with are Isaac Okoro, who has done jack anything on offense this season, and he hasn't been great defensively either. He's been a little a little too trigger-happy. He's been had some happy feet at times where he just like overcommits to defense and fouls too much. You have Lamar Stevens, who's played really well, and I think he has earned minutes in this rotation and I think should be the candidate if the Cavs were to shake up anything on Friday and Dean Wade doesn't play. And... The issue with Stevens, though, is long-term is, can he be a reliable shooter? Yes, he went 2-3 the other night against Milwaukee, and but those were kind of surprise shots as well, where Giannis Adenokupo didn't close out on him, and he kind of made Adenokupo pay for it. But historically speaking, Lamar Stevens is a worse shooter than Isaac Okoro. And if you're a team like Cleveland, where you have two-plus shooters in Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell on the perimeter at the backcourt, and you have two seven-footers in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen with one of those seven-footers having the potential to be a three-point shooter in Mobley, but not quite having it yet. You may need some spacing next to it in order to make this work until Mobley is able to kind of flare out on the edge like that and function as a three-point shooter. So for now, just with what Cleveland has available, they would probably, and at least in my opinion, start Lamar Stevens at the three 
against Charlotte and maybe just see what, how that works against Miami. If that continues to work, I think stylistically makes a lot of sense with slowing down Atlanta a little bit because it can make Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, John Collins even, even DeAndre Hunter all uncomfortable because that's how good Lamar Stevens is on defense. But Dean Wade is dealing with knee bursitis right now. I think he's going to be out for a little bit longer. It's just more of a physical thing and how he's doing. But he's doubtful Friday against Charlotte. We'll see what his availability is Sunday against Miami or Monday against the Hawks, of course. But at the end of the day, it is really tough to say like when he will be back. But when he does come back, I think you need to start Dean Wade at the three. Because at the end of the day, he gives you what you need ideally from that fifth option in your starting five. And that's three-point shooting. And you saw him be super effective when Donovan Mitchell was running the show as the de facto point guard and running a ton of spread pick and roll through the Cavaliers where it had, it, yes, it featured Karis LeVert as a two-guard, but I think LeVert had more scoring options then. So we'll, we'll just put LeVert to the side. I think that works as a bench lineup too. But you can run a lot of options. And I think Dean Wade is just so multifaceted as a big where he can be a bit of a screener who rolls the basket. He can also be a screener who flares out to the perimeter. He can be a guy who floats on the perimeter. He can be a guy who's waiting for catch and shoot opportunities. Like he is so good and knows what he is as a player where he's not expected to score 15 to 20 points a night. He'll get you 10 to 12 to 13 or 14 points. And most of them will be three pointers. He'll get you some rebounds. He'll give you some solid positional defense, but he's not going to be like, an overwhelming defensive stopper who'll be more of a help defender and I think will be able to help Evan Mobley a little bit in that department too where Mobley is able to help off of Jared Allen and also just it's some interesting tinkering if you're J.D. Bakerstaff at the end of the day and Dean Wade I think ideally is your starting three for the remainder of the season and then maybe not the remainder of the season rather because wait to see what you have with the trade deadline but I think Dean Wade should be the starting three for the Cavs just because he's been very consistent whenever his number has been called upon, whether it's a bench player or as a starter for the Cavs. And they need to reward that. And maybe you just need to empower Karis LeVert a little bit more too because clearly something isn't working. And the concerns about playing LeVert, Mitchell, and Garland together on defense might be still a little overblown, but they are very real. And you can tell like at times like it's tough out there for them to defend, to defend each other in space like that. But you need to kind of address this so you're not overwhelming Evan Mobley and Jared Allen as well and also just getting shredded on defense and also the offensive upside from Dean Wade and just the fact that he's a better shooter than Harris LeVert really helps things a lot too. Which the problem is though, Dean Wade isn't like a permanent, permanent, permanent option for the Cavs as a starting three. And that's where the second question goes in, which is from Nation One Cavs, and this is before Twitter may die. So... He asks, oh, sorry, this is not from Nation One Cavs. My apologies. It's from Frobley or Death on Discord, from the Locked On Cavs Discord server, which you should join. And he asks, do you think the starting small forward of the future is currently on the roster? And I've got to mention Jetty Osmond as well. Jetty Osmond is strictly a bench small forward slash shooting guard for the Cavs and should not be starting because you're asking too much of him. But the answer in short is no. Um... I thought they might have had it in Ochai Abaji, but Abaji hasn't been great for the Jazz either, so another just chalk one up for the fact that I'm not in an NBA front office for a reason and hosting this podcast by myself. But no, Cleveland currently does not have a starting small forward on their roster or their small forward of the future. They have temporary options that can work until maybe next offseason when they have a little bit more cap space, a little more breathing room once they get Kevin Love's contract off the books. But in turn, Darius Garland's contract takes its place, so It'll be interesting to watch and see what they do. And that's why I said maybe Dean Wade is your option 
not for the whole season, but up to the trade deadline, where you continue to evaluate things, see where things are going, if he's seeing where things are heading. Maybe Isaac Okoro makes that leap suddenly, and he finally becomes the player that everyone hoped he could be offensively, and he gives you that two-way potential that where he is a slightly below-average three-point shooter and plays defense. But the issue is we don't have that right now with him. He is a... We just talked about it, so... We'll see where it goes, but I'm curious to see what the Cavs will do with the trade deadline because they make sense as a team who needs to get a starting small forward, clearly. Like, there's guys like Terrence Ross with the Orlando Magic that makes a lot of sense. There are guys like Gary Harris also with the Orlando Magic that makes some sense. There are guys like, shoot, just any starting small forward you can really think of. <laughs> not, or like not, start, not starting, but starting caliber small forward because those are grow- not really growing on the wings readily. But you look at guys like that, and then you really think like maybe they need to, and I'm going to say the name, go get Jay Crowder. Go get Jay Crowder from the Atlanta, or for, sorry, from the Phoenix Suns. They could use, they, I mean, think, I think the Suns would probably take Jetty Osman and maybe a second-round pick, and you include some salary filler for Jay Crowder, and you can keep Isaac Okoro and see what you're having here. Because the Cavs not only have a glaring need in small forward, and again, this isn't going to be the permanent answer. This is Jay Crowder is not the small forward of the future, but is it a temporary addressing of the issue, and then you reevaluate in the offseason and see what your options are there. But at this juncture, the Cavs, more than anything, need a guy that can just get in the face of their teammates and get in the face during of them during practice or on the floor during a game that pushes them and relights that fire when it goes up because the Cavs and I'll be frank it's a fuck you guy they need a guy who can get up in their face and motherfuck the hell out of someone and make sure that they are being held accountable and make sure they are being pushing because this is a very soft-spoken team and that's by no accounts any disrespect to the Cavs but they're not a team that is very vocal with one another they're not they're a team that doesn't really like to rock the boat much you need a guy who just has a little bit of that grit who can kind of help you kind of form your core identity around and is kind of like that energy junkyard guy and I know some folks say well what about Lamar Stevens the issue with that is yeah Lamar Stevens has played well in spot minutes but he's not likely going to get consistent minutes in Cleveland's rotation when this team is fully healthy. And with Darius Garland being a leader of this team, with Jared Allen being a leader of this team, with Evan Mobley being a leader of this team, they're all very soft-spoken, mild-mannered guys who would rather let their games do the talking. But you need a guy who is constantly barking or constantly being annoying. A guy like Joakim Noah with the Bulls, a guy like Kendrick Perkins with the Celtics, or with the Cavs to, to that extent. A guy like P.J. Tucker with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, when they won the championship, a guy in that ilk who is able to press the right buttons and make sure when teams are feeling their most uncomfortable, they're able to push them in the right direction and make sure that like, hey, we're having fun right now, but like you need to like level up a little bit and take this seriously, like treat it like a life or death scenario sometimes. So they have a guy that can just push them on a night to night basis, and I think Jay Crowder can be that guy for the Cavs. I really do in my heart of hearts. I understand there are concerns about what he brings to the table just historically speaking in terms of just the bag emotional baggage that comes with him and i understand maybe that he didn't have the best relationship with the organization but i think time heals all wounds i think the opportunity to possibly start for the Cavs and get consistent minutes in the rotation certainly helps a lot too 
And he makes a lot of sense. It's just like that fifth option who's a bigger wing, who's a 3-4 wing, plays defense, can provide shooting, and just kind of fills that P.J. Tucker role where like he's going to push the right buttons on this Cavs squad and make sure that everyone is in the right spots defensively. And he's also a guy that other guys are going to want to go to war with because he's 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 a dog. He's got that mentality. He's got that edge to him where like it's just that central belief and core value that the team just forms themselves around and also can act as like that de facto coach that presses the buttons on the floor because there's only so far J.B. Bickerstaff can go unless he calls a timeout. He can't burn through every timeout when the Cavs are kind of falling apart at the seams at times. And again, this could be hyperbole on my part. Who knows? The Cavs could be just fine at the end of the day, but we'll see what happens. But we'll see here all about it. And you have to come check it out on Monday's Locked on Cavs where we'll be talking about this jam-packed Three games in four nights weekends for the Cavaliers. But as always, I am Evan. Check me out at Write Down Euclid. Please subscribe, support financially if you can there, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Some of you watching right now probably think you're subscribed, but lo and behold, you're probably not. So go ahead, subscribe, hit that bell, and I'll be back Monday, hopefully with a guest and maybe my co-host. We'll see.